Good morning and welcome to worship at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church. We're so glad you found your way to our worship on Facebook Live or Instagram Live. We've been worshiping virtually for over three months now, and we continue to pray that you remember in this space together that you are known and you are loved, you are prayed for and cared for and held by God. Selwyn Avenue is an intergenerational community of faith. We seek to know one another and our neighbors um, through Christ's love, and we would love to get to know you better. If you happen to be a visitor here with us today, we hope that um, you find yourself at home with us. And if you would like to learn more about how to become a member at Selwyn, please reach out to me or to Lisa McLennan. Um, you can find our information on our website. We do have new members joining uh, next Sunday on June 28th, so be in touch if that is of interest to you. Our prayers of comfort and support are extended to the family of Margaret Cunningham, who passed away peacefully on June 15th. She was 93 years old. Both she and her late husband, Bill, were longtime committed members at Selwyn Avenue, and we held a private memorial service with her family yesterday. I know that her children, Deborah King and Bill Cunningham, are grateful for your continued prayers, and if you have memorials or notes, you can send those to the church, and we'll make sure that they are aware of those. In life and death, we belong to God, and together as God's people, we proclaim the promises of the resurrection. For those of you that have made a pledge in 2020 or um, continue to give to Selwyn Avenue, we are extremely grateful for your financial commitment during this season. If you have not pledged but are considering how to faithfully support the work of Selwyn Avenue, then we welcome um, both your prayers and your actions and your gifts of financial um, support um, through the, to the mission of Selwyn. Um, please mail, um, snail mail, email, or you can text your weekly offerings to 704-734-9818. This summer we are launching on an epic travel through the greatest stories ever told of the Bible. Uh, these are stories of God's providence and grace, and we invite you to revisit these stories that you think you know by heart. As a part of our summer worship series through Christian education, we will, will be inviting all of you to join us in an all-summer um, Selwyn reading um, initiative that will be begin in July. We'll offer six different books, uh, six different groups, six different genres and styles, and we hope that you will look for more information uh, soon on that. And now we should prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. 
Standing on the promises I cannot fall Listening every moment to the Spirit's call Resting in my Savior as my all in all Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God my Savior Standing, standing I'm standing on the promises of God And now we rise in spirit and we greet the Lord with our call to worship. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, Therefore we, we will not fear, though the earth be moved and though the mountains shake in the depths of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be shaken. God shall help it at the break of day. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. God speaks and the earth melts away. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. Be still then and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Amen. That is good news. And so because God's promise in Christ is sure and true, we turn to God now with a confidence and a humility as we confess together and to God. Let us pray. Holy and merciful God, in your presence we confess our failure to be what you created us to be. You alone know the depth and frequency of how often we have sinned. In wandering from your ways, in wasting your gifts, in forgetting your love, incite us to serve you as you deserve, to give and not count the cost, to love our neighbor without expectation of return, to labor and not ask for reward, except knowing that we are doing your will. Lord, have mercy upon us. Amen. Friends, hear these words of assurance found in the book of Romans. For there is no distinction. Since all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God, they are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In, In Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ, we are forgiven. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe 
safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how bright the path grows one day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. What have I to dread? What have I to feel? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting lawn. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. If you are a younger person at your house and you're here with us in worship, we're really glad you're here. I'm talking today, we're all talking today, about promises that God makes and the story of Noah, which I know most of you all know. The story of Noah always makes me think about this ring. This is my wedding ring. A wedding ring is a sign and a reminder of the promise that I made with my husband, that we were going to stick together no matter what. Even if things get tough sometimes, this is the reminder that I have, that, that I've made that promise, and that all the people who see this ring, that I've made that promise to. I bet that you all make promises with your friends or with your parents. You might tell your mom or your dad that you promise to clean your room before you go out to play or you promise you won't fight with your brother or your sister. And sometimes when we are trying really hard to keep a promise, it just doesn't work out all the time, does it? We do our best, but sometimes we break our promises and then it doesn't feel very good. God makes promises too. And today I'm wearing one of my favorite stoles. It's the story of Noah right on the stole. And you see right here a rainbow. And this is a sign that God gives us, that God has made a promise with us, that no, no matter what happens, no matter how much we mess up as humans, God loves us, God will never leave us, and God promises to protect us. We're getting ready to tell the story about Noah and the ark. When we humans were not treating each other very kindly, and we were not really living by God's law very well. And God got so angry that God just decided that God was going to wipe the whole thing out. Except for Noah and Noah's family and all the animals that you can see here on my stall. And after a very long time on the ark, one day a dove showed up as a sign of hope with an olive branch. And eventually they found land and then God put the rainbow in the sky.
So today, I know some of you are celebrating your fathers um, or your grandfathers fathers, or a special person that treats you as if they are a father. And I want you to remember, think about some promises that either they've made to you or you might make to them as we hear God's story about Noah. Let's pray. Dear God, Thank you for the promise, Thank you for the promise of, your love, of your love and for never leaving us and for the promise made real in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your spirit. Silence any voice within us but yours, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. As Lori mentioned, we are venturing through the greatest stories ever told as uh, smaller pieces of the greatest story ever told. Uh, today, we are gonna talk about and read Noah's Ark. It's a long story, it's three, uh, four chapters of Genesis. So we've got some selected verses. So listen now as Lori and I read together the story of Noah's Ark. The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made humankind on earth, and it grieved him to his heart. But Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence. Make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. Make it 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for the ark and put the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower and second and third decks. For my part, I'm going to bring a flood of waters of the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh, in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kind, and of the animals according to their kind, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind. Two of every kind shall come into you to keep them alive. Also, take with you every kind of food that is eaten and store it up, and it shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him, and the waters swelled on the earth for 150 days. 
Then God said to Noah, Go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, and every animal, every creeping thing, every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out of the ark by families. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing odor, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of humankind, for the inclination of the human heart is evil from youth. Nor will I ever again destroy every living creature as I have done. So then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh there is on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. So I have a confession to make. When my kids were little, like really little, and I would read them Bible stories, sometimes I would sanitize them. I would skip parts of the story that I thought were just too harsh or scary for their sweet little spirits. I didn't want God to look bad. I only wanted them to hear of God's love, not God's judgment or anger. And Noah's story is one of these stories that I sanitized. I always skipped the beginning and got right to Noah building a boat and cute little animals boarding it, two by two. And of all the stories in the Bible, this one isn't in my top 10 favorite list, but it is an important part and an important chapter in the greatest story ever told, the story of God's love for all creation. I wanted to sanitize it again for you this morning, but I didn't. I started at the beginning, which is one of the hardest parts to hear. Maybe it bothered you too, and if you weren't paying attention, don't worry, I'm going to repeat it. And one of my seminary professors used to say that when she was young, she would mark through the parts of her Bible that offended her. And she also says that it's often those parts that offend us, uh, that we dislike, those are the parts that we need to wrestle with at a deeper level to see what we might discover about God in those passages. And this isn't just a story about Noah and a flood and a boat. It is much more of a story about who God is and what God does. 
So often we hear this story and we think it's about the wrath and anger and judgment of God in response to the evil and brokenness of humanity. We think it's the story of God smiting the wicked whole of humanity, except for righteous Noah. But this story isn't about what Noah does. It's about what God does. And I'd like us to listen again to the very beginning of the story, starting at chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. The Lord was sorry that he had made humankind on the earth, and it grieved God to his heart. God saw that the earth was corrupt, there was violence everywhere, and it grieved God. God wasn't filled with wrath or anger. God was sad. God was grieved. God looked at the creation, and rather than seeing the creation flourishing, filled with the love and caring that God had designed and intended, God saw that every inclination of the hearts was evil and violence. And it grieved God. It pained God. In fact, the word used to describe God's pain is the same word that is used to describe Eve's curse back in chapter 2 of Genesis, the pain of Eve's childbirth and for children. And many of us know that the pain of loving a child does not end once labor is over. There's pain as they begin to pull away as they grow, the pain of being needed less frequently, the pain of leaving them for work or watching them leave, the pain of their wounds, both physical and emotional, the pain that comes with a child struggling with mental or physical illness, with bullying, with the consequences of their own choices, the pain that comes with a child that has lost their way or struggling with addiction, incarceration, or self-harm. We have a saying at the McLennan House that a parent is only as happy as their most miserable child. And the pain continues even after children are grown as they endure life's hardships or as your relationship grows distant or maybe even becomes estranged or the pain of losing a child. This is the pain that God felt. And this is the grief when God looks upon the creation. It's not an angry, wrath-filled God, but a God whose grief was so deep that God regretted the relationship. This is a God who grieves for us. And this is a God who knows our grief and who grieves with us. This is a God who knows the depths of the grief and pain that we carry. God saw and sees the brokenness among humanity and God sees the grief and brokenness that you are carrying. And God grieves with us and for us. This isn't an angry God described, but a grieving God. 
and you must love something deeply to grieve like this. And then Noah finds favor in the sight of God. Noah is called a righteous man, blameless in his generation. And this does not mean that Noah was perfect. And I know all you people pleasers and you Enneagram three high achievers and you perfectionists want the formula of knowing exactly what Noah did so you can do it too. And I am sorry, but we do not earn God's favor or love. We already have it, but that is a sermon for another day. Essentially, uh, Noah was a man who sought to love God and his neighbor and was a man of high integrity. So there you go. But this isn't about Noah today. It's about God. A deeply grieving God tells Noah, I've had enough of this evil and violence. I'm putting an end to it. Build a boat, I'm making a fresh start with you and your family. Get going, take my animals, take plenty of food. The flood is coming, and it does. Many people, animals, and plants perish. But God spares Noah and his family. Grace finds Noah. God could have easily annihilated the world and started over. According to our story, God comes close, but that's not what God does. God could have turned its back and walked away from us, but that's not what God does. God intended to rid the world of violence, evil, and corruption. But God's judgment is not a hard and fast, detached decision. God continues to be affected by the world. God moves beyond pain, puts it aside, and determines to save some creatures. God gives creation what it doesn't deserve, grace. God doles out some grace and tells Noah to get busy building a boat. And God goes to great lengths and details telling Noah how to build the boat and what to bring with him. We just heard a fraction of the lists and people of the peoples and animals and birds that are saved and the food to bring and how to load it all. I didn't read you all the verses, there were a lot of them. The point is that the attention on this story centers on who and what is saved. There's very little mention of what is lost in the flood. It's about life being saved. It's a story of salvation and new beginnings. It's about what God is doing through Noah. God does not stay distant or shun creation. And despite God's deep pain and grief, God personally enters into the brokenness of the world and works on it from within using Noah. Noah, I'm going to need you to build a boat. I wonder what God may be asking of you or the church. God enters into the messiness of the world and uses us the very creation that falls short of what it was designed to be, the creation that grieves him, God uses us to help make a new way, to make things different. God's grace finds Noah just like it finds us. 
and uses us to make a new way. The story is about a God who grieves at the brokenness of creation, but rather than destroy or abandon it, finds the grace to come alongside it in the mess and work on it from within. And yet there's more. After the waters recede and Noah and the animals emerge, God commits to a future with a less than perfect world. Noah and his family emerge from the boat and begin life on land again. Noah quickly sets up an altar and prepares a sacrifice for God. That's sort of like getting off the boat, putting down your suitcase and rushing right back to church. The Lord looked upon Noah and was pleased and in response promises to never send destruction upon creation again. This is the first of God's covenant promises. God gives the bow or a rainbow in the sky as a sign of God putting down God's weapon and a reminder of God's promise. You see, the flood has not changed humankind or creation. Look around. We are still just as broken as we were in Noah's days. We still have plenty of corruption and violence. We still put ourselves in the center of all things and love and worship things in the creation more than the creator. God acknowledges this when he says, making the covenant promise, the inclination of the human heart is toward evil from youth, but never again will I destroy ever living, every living creature. The flood did not change us, but this story reveals an irreversible change in God. This story reveals a God who loves and wills to save humankind, who is capable of change based on experience with the created world, and who promises to stand by its creation. If you sanitize the story and make it simply a story about a man in a boat with some animals, you miss all that. Our children and us, we need to hear the whole story, even the hard parts. We need to know that our waywardness and turning our backs on God and our neighbor grieves God, but that we have a God that grieves for and with us and loves us deeply. We need to know that God calls and pursues us to be in relationship with God and each other, and that God seeks to use us to make this world a better place for all creation. That even when we fall short, God lavishes us with mercy and grace finds us. God promises to stick with us. Tell the story about Noah and the boat, but don't forget to tell about who God is and what God does. Amen. And now, Selwyn, we join our hearts and our minds together in prayer. Let us pray. O oh, holy God, the waters are deep and broad. Yet here we are, gathered across our two-dimensional screens, worshiping you, praying, waiting, calling on you. The waters are so deep and so broad, and we are unsure, O oh God. 
for handwritten notes and casseroles, for lunches for our homeless neighbors and public statements of hope and prayerful sighs too deep for words. We share your grief. The waters are deep and broad. The world is restless and the boat can feel lonely as we're still hunkered down. Grief upon grief, we miss our families. We miss baptism and sometimes we forget we are surrounded by such grace. We miss shaking hands and hugging. We need each other, oh God. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed by the waves of unrest. Sometimes we feel stuck in the hull of isolation. Sometimes we lose hope that the dove will ever really show up. Yet ours is not a story of brokenness, mask or no mask. We know the breath of God has managed to penetrate far more precarious boundaries than those presented to us on this day. There's Job and Jonah and Elijah and Sarah and David and Noah. There are the disciples who ran away and Paul deep within his prison cell. Exhausted and wing battered, we know that your dove will make it to the ark. By the promise of a rainbow, by the hope of a dove, by the sight of dry land, by your son on the cross. Ours is not a story of brokenness, but a love so deep that the word became flesh and a parent's heart broke over a son's broken body. A promised love so profound it has transcended the barriers of sin and the bounds of pandemics like COVID-19 and racism and our deepest fears in order to transform the world. Finally, oh God, we pray for fathers who have parented well and for fathers who have missed the mark, for children who have been cherished and protected and those who have been estranged or harmed, for those who grieve their parents, for those who remember, for those who anticipate parenthood. We lift our eyes to the sky. We wait for a dove. We see a rainbow and we turn to God in covenant for we are no longer ours, but yours. And we ask that you put us to what you will. Rank us with whom you will. Put us to doing. Put us to suffering. Let us be employed for you, or laid aside for you, or exalted for you, or brought low for you. Let us be full, or let us be empty, or let us have things, or let us have nothing. We freely and we wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. For now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are yours and you are ours. May it be so forever through your Son who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, with open and generous hearts, we are reminded of God's providential care, and it calls each of us to move and to act and to serve. So let us build a boat. Let us care for God's creation. Let us make a new way with God. Let us expand and open the doors of the ark. Let us present our tithes and our gifts and our offerings. And please text to give using 704.
Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Now I see. Now I see T'was grace that taught my heart to fear And grace my fears relieved How precious did that grace appear The hour I first my chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. The Lord has promised good to me His word my hope secures He will my shield and portion be As long as life endures My chains are gone been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me, and like the flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace, unending love, amazing
Let us pray. Lord, you bless us with an abundance of gifts. We ask that you take the gifts that we have and the gifts that we give, our time, our talents, our treasures, use all of it so that this world might be the place you intend it to be. Amen. Friends, may God's grace find you this week. May you listen for how God is calling you to make this created world a better place. May you find the courage to build your boat. Go and do so, knowing that you go with the grace of God the Father, the love of Jesus Christ, and the illuminating and prompting companionship of the Holy Spirit. Amen.